Hi, my name is Paul Grogan and welcome to episode 6 of the all-new Gaming Rules podcast. This podcast is an audio version of the Gaming Rules monthly video log for October 2021. If you prefer to watch this on YouTube, that video is already there, but as mentioned in previous podcasts, a number of people have asked me to create the video logs and the live Q&As as audio podcasts. This is only possible with the financial support of my Patreon campaign. So a huge thank you to all of my supporters for making this possible. And if you do like the content that I create, please consider supporting me at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. And now on with the show. My name is Paul Grogan. Welcome to the Gaming Rules monthly video log for October 2021. In this video log, I'll be talking about all of the games that I've been playing since the last video log, giving you an update on what's been new on the channel, what's coming on the channel, and a little bit of a personal update on what's going on with me personally. Now, normally I like to record these video logs around the middle of the month. However, since getting back from Essen, things kind of got turned upside down. So it is a Saturday, Vicky's away at her parents, and I'm recording this Pretty much the date today. It's like the end of October. I think it's, yeah, it's the 30th of October today. So by the time I've edited this video, it might even be November. Now, I'm going to try and get this video out by the end of the month. However, uh, I'm going to be covering everything that I've done since the last video log. Now, regular viewers will know that I actually skipped September's monthly video log. A lot of things were going wrong. This is a running theme here um, around September. So I actually missed the September video log. However, I did do a special one. So if you're a patron supporter of mine, then instead of the regular recorded and edited video log, I actually did a live stream of the video log showing the entire process that I go through to prepare for these video logs um, because they take about seven or eight hours in total create to create, which might seem crazy because it is just me talking at the camera for 45 minutes, but there's a lot of preparation. There's a lot of background stuff that goes on. And I just ran out of time in September to do it but I was really keen on doing September's video log. So that actually went live as two live streams. It was cut into two parts. The first of which was, I think, three and a half hours and the next was three hours. So it actually took still an excessively long time, but it was very much a behind the scenes, more personal video log for September. Anyway, moving on to October. As I say, the first thing I'm going to talk about is all of the games that I've played since the last video log. So I'm basically, this is basically October. So everything that I've played in October, which includes my trip to Essen. So let's start off. First of October, Rick came over and we played Marvel Champions. Now this feels like three months ago. <laughs> this has been a hectic month. So much has happened. Uh, but yeah, on the very first of the month, Rick came over and we played Marvel Champions, two player. Uh, and then Ian joined us in the evening and we played three player Marvel Champions. Now we're working through the Rise of the Red Skull campaign. We played two games of it. They're both on the channel. If you are interested in watching us play through the Rise of the Red Skull campaign, I won't spoil it by telling you whether we won or we lost, um, but we played through scenarios three and four that evening. Now, one thing about Marvel Champions, the campaign mode, is comparing it to Arkham Horror campaign mode, it's very, very different. Arkham Horror campaign mode is a series of connected scenarios where things evolve from one scenario to the next, and your characters spend experience points and you change your deck and everything else. Marvel Champions campaign is pretty much a series of standalone scenarios. There's a very tiny bit of stuff going on in between them. Generally speaking, it is five linked scenarios with a storyline, but you can basically change your deck completely. You're not supposed to change your hero, although it, it probably doesn't matter too much. Now, I love both games. 
Um, but yeah, the campaign mode of, of Marvel Champions just feels like connected scenarios. Now, officially, uh, each of the campaigns that have come out for it, you're supposed to play the scenarios in order. And if you fail a, if you fail a scenario, you're supposed to go back and replay it. Now, personally, I don't like doing that. And I've posted about this on various forums and Facebook groups over the last couple of months, is, is what do you do? Um, and I probably asked this in the last video log as well, and you've probably answered it before, but it was really interesting to get so many different opinions from so many different people, ranging from, some people say they only ever play a scenario once. It doesn't matter whether they succeed or they lose, they only play it once, and if the rules of the game say that you have to replay the scenario until you succeed, they ignore that, they just, they play it once and then they move on. And then there are other people who continually play a scenario until they've beaten it. Both opinions are varied. Mine lies somewhere in the middle of that. I don't like the idea of constantly replaying a scenario until you defeat it, although I can see the appeal of that, especially if you have to like construct your deck. Oh, we've lost, right. Well, why did we lose? Oh, well, let's go away and let's rebuild our deck. That's like a metagame in itself to try and construct your deck to try and defeat the challenge. Uh, and, I, and I kind of like that idea. And, and sometimes you might have to go, okay, that didn't work. Well, what can we do next time? Well, we need to remember this and we need to play better. And eventually when you do succeed at it, then brilliant, you feel a sense of achievement. But from the other point of view, I've got loads of games. I've got loads of scenarios for Marvel Champions that I haven't even played yet. And why would I spend my time replaying the same scenario again when I've got new stuff to look forward to? Now, the Arkham Horror Card game, um, you don't replay scenarios. Basically, whatever the outcome of the scenario leads to the next part of the story, depending on what you did. And that's fantastic. You know, the story continues. Because to be honest, replaying a scenario, and, I, you know, I'm talking about fantasy and sci-fi and hero games here, is not realistic, okay? You don't go into a dungeon, defeat some monsters, but because you didn't open the chest in time, the world resets. That, that doesn't realistically makes sense. And I say realistically, as I say, in a kind of a joking way. But that's why Arkham Horror is great, because the story carries on no matter what you did. Anyway, still a brilliant game. Marvel Champions is still one of my favourite games. And I say this, if, if you're having a drink, every time I say, I wish I could play this game more, I wish I had more time to play this game, then it's time for your first drink now. Because Marvel Champions is one of those games that I can see myself playing twice a week. And, and still enjoying it. I've got so much content for the game. I love the game. It's fantastic. So that's Marvel Champions, uh, specifically Rise of the Red Skull campaign. Next up, on the 2nd of October I and the 3rd of October, I had a games weekend. Now, this games weekend all started because WizKids asked me to create a tutorial and playthrough video for Clash of Cultures Monumental Edition, a game that I worked on the rulebook for either earlier this year or last year. I can't quite remember. Um, and yeah, Clash of Cultures is a great civilization style game and they wanted me to do a video on it. So I contacted a friend of mine, Ben, who lives in London and Ben is a big fan of civilization style games. So I invited Ben over for the weekend. The plan was that we'd do the playthrough video for Clash of Cultures. But then I thought, well, because Ben's coming all the way from London, he doesn't just want to come for a day, play some games and then go back home. So I decided to invite loads of other people around on the Sunday. So Saturday was Clash of Cultures day. Uh, and there is a video on my channel uh, which is a tutorial and playthrough video of Clash of Cultures. And if you're a patron supporter, you would have got access to the, the warm-up game, because what we did is we actually played two games of it. Um, because it's quite a heavy game, and uh, I didn't feel it was fair for all of the players to just 
go into the, the, the live video without having experience with the game. Everybody arrived early uh, and we played a full game of it. And then we stopped, had a break for lunch. I, and I don't even think we did a full game of it. Maybe we did do a full game of it. I can't quite remember. But I say we played it. I didn't play it. So if you look at my uh, list of played games on Board Game Geek, Clash of Cultures is not on there for the 2nd of October because I hosted the game. Okay, I felt that it was going to be a little bit too long with four players and I wanted to concentrate on teaching the game and hosting the live stream. And Clash of Cultures is one of those games which, for me, is a little bit on the, um, the heavy side. Now, I play heavier games than Clash of Cultures, but Clash of Cultures is one of those games where there are so many different technologies and you've got to keep track of so many different things. Not saying that's a bad thing, I'm just saying for me, with my limited brain power, um, running the stream, teaching the game, facilitating everything whilst also playing in the game, it would have been a disaster and I would have just really, really struggled. So I decided to just host the game, the three of them played it, and yet yeah, that's on the channel now. Um, now, because that was a sponsored video, I can't really tell you my personal opinion of Clash of Cultures, other than it is, this is the monumental edition, is a sort of revised version of the original game that has been for years highly respected as one of the best civilization games out there. There's a lot of mechanisms in the game that are really cool and work really well. It does have dice for combat, which if you are a, a Euro gamer like me, can be a little bit of a problem, but the new version has these special dice with symbols on that help you sort of mitigate some of the results and, and give you cool effects. Anyway, as I say, if you're interested in that, Clash of Cultures Monumental Edition just came out from WizKids video is on the channel. It's a big box game. It's got like 260 miniatures in it or something. It's crazy. Uh, really good quality production. And yeah, check out the video if you are interested. Right. So on the Sunday, as I say, Ben stayed over. Um, and I think we did something. We did something on the Saturday night. Yeah, we did another game on the Saturday night. I think Rob disappeared home. Uh, Dan and Ben stayed. And on the Saturday night, we played uh, Cocapelli, I think it was. Now I've spoken about Cocapelli Certainly in the last video log, but as I say, that was a patron-only one. Cocapelli is a Steffenfeld game, but it is the least Steffenfeld game in my collection. I have, I think, about 20 games from Steffenfeld, and this one is very, very different. It doesn't even feel like a Steffenfeld game as you're playing it. It feels more like a Friedman Frieser game. Um, but yeah, Cocapelli, I really enjoy Cocapelli. Um, there's something about it. It's just, it's 45 minutes. It plays really smoothly, it plays well. I've only played it at three and four player. I know Tom Heath, Slicker Rips, didn't like it at two player because I think he felt that there was a little bit too much take that against the other players. I've not really felt that from the three and four player games. So I do need to try it two player uh, and I want to try it two player. But yeah, Cocapelli, great little card game. It's just worked really well and it has a very Dominion-esque to the setup. So if you've bought the expansion set, it comes with 25 different cards and you choose 10 of those cards to play with every game. And if you just take out a few of those cards and replace them with different ones, the game will be different every time you play. But unlike Dominion, where you every player starts with a standard deck of normal cards and then you buy from a display, in Cocapelli, at the start of the game, once you've decided which 10 cards are going to be in the game, each player then makes their own deck with three of each of those 10 types of cards, I think. Was it six of each? Something like that. Anyway, so everybody's deck's the same at the start of the game, but it actually contains the cards that you're playing with. There is no central offer that you're drafting from. Each player has their own deck of cards. Anyway, really good game. Really enjoy it. And yeah, it plays fairly quickly as well. So that's Cocapelli. 
Uh, on the Sunday, a few extra people came around and we split into various groups. There were some people playing games downstairs. I was playing games upstairs. Um, and these were streamed as Patreon-only streams because they weren't really... They weren't really suitable, I felt, for a public audience. And I do do a lot of these uh, behind-the-scenes playthroughs for Patreon supporters. So it was it was very, very rough, as I say. Not the kind of quality video that I would really want going on the channel. Uh, I think in the New Frontiers game that we played, I was still eating my breakfast at the start of the stream. And we were just setting it up and we were chatting and we were laughing and things like that. So that's why these are more behind-the-scenes uh, videos. Anyway, played New Frontiers for the first time. And wow. Now, New Frontiers from Rio Grande Games is Puerto Rico, but set in the Race for the Galaxy universe. It uses predominantly the Puerto Rico mechanisms. And if you've seen my channel over the last few months, you'll know that I covered Puerto Rico again a couple of months ago on my Cult of the Old series. I can't see me playing Puerto Rico again because New Frontiers exists. For me, it is an improved version of Puerto Rico. And I know some diehard fans of Puerto Rico will disagree with me, but uh, Puerto Rico is a fantastic game and it stood the test of time and I love it, but it does have that, and I'm not going to use the word problem, it does have that feature where certain players can be screwed based on turn order and how things play out. Now, I say some players can be screwed, that is something you need to take into account when you're playing the game, but it is a very important part of the game. In New Frontiers, for example, when somebody trades, everybody trades. There isn't like the trading house with limited supply so you can mess up other players and things like that. It is just somebody trades, everybody gets to trade. So it's it's easier in that respect and it's less harsh on players for making, making uh, mistakes. But just everything about New Frontiers is great. Now, I don't own a copy of New Frontiers. It was a friend of mine, Rob, who, who brought his copy around. So thank you very much, Rob, for bringing it around and teaching it. And yeah, really, really good game. Really enjoy New Frontiers. Is it one that I should have in my collection? It, it, I think it is. I think New Frontiers is a game that I might, next time I speak to um, the guys from Rio Grande, not that I'm going over to America anytime soon, but <laughs> I might look into getting a copy of that. Also later that day, and this was, a, this was a really strange situation, we'd agreed, this was probably about two o'clock in the afternoon, there was five of us, Rob and Ben wanted to play Clash of Cultures. So Ben had played it the day before twice. Ben was keen on playing it again. And Rob was a big fan of Clash of Cultures, the original. It's, it's in his like top five games of all time. So Ben and Rob were down here on the kitchen table about to set up a two-player game of Clash of Cultures. The other three of us, me, Paul, uh, Dan, I think it was. Can't remember now. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> We were going upstairs to play a three-player game and we were deciding which three-player game today to play. And then, this is really strange how it happened and I'm really glad it did happen. They were unboxing the Clash of Cultures Monumental Edition and WizKids, what they do is on the side of the boxes, they show adverts for their other games. And Rob saw an advert for Sidereal Confluence on the side of the box and went, oh, Sidereal Confluence, that's the new version. Do you have that? And I said, yeah, I've got that. I've been keen on trying that for a while. And he was like, well, doesn't it take five players? And I'm like, well, yeah, it's like five to eight or four to eight. So complete change of plan. We all went upstairs and we played Sidereal Confluence. Now, we were a bit slow at getting started with the game. Again, this was streamed to Patreon supporters only, and we probably spent an hour, hour and a quarter fumbling our way through. Now, the rulebook is actually okay, but 
Sidera so Confluence, if you don't know the game, it is unlike any other game that I've ever played, sort of. Um, and it's a little bit weird, and it's a little bit out there, and it's quite different in how it works, and none of us really knew how to play the game. A couple of them, I think, had played it before. I'd played the original version years ago, but I haven't played the new version. And to be fair, the new version is pretty much the same as the old version, just with really updated graphic design and updated components. It's much, much better uh, looking and, and quality of production and everything else. Because Zeb's taken over at WizKids, um, and yeah, production at WizKids is pretty much spot on now, really, really good. So we played Sidereal Confluence, and again, it, it was live streamed to patron supporters. So if you're a patron supporter of mine, you would have been sent uh, an email like, well, a month ago now, with a link to that playthrough. But if you want to see it, give us a shout, let me know, and I can, I can send you the link to it. Uh, I don't think I was eating my breakfast at the start of this game. But what a crazy game. Sidera Confluence, as I say, is, is unlike anything else. It is like a five, four to eight player game, but it really only it really needs five, I think. I don't know if you've played it at four, let me know. But I've been told it really takes five or more players for it to work properly. And as somebody who played games back in the late 80s, early 90s, Civilization and Advanced Civilization was one of the first games that I started playing. And that has open trading and it has trading rounds where it's just, some people call it chaos, where you're shouting across the table going, oh, well, I've got two, two spices and a thing. Do you want to trade that? Oh, well, are you collecting cloth, this, that, and the other? And it's open trading. Sidereal Confluence is the same core mechanism, except it takes it to another level. You've got all of these different resources, and they are called something, but essentially they are different shaped cubes, different sized cubes of different colors and funny gold octagons and everything else. And you're all going, oh, I, I need those two green cubes there. Um, I've got a big blue cube and I'll throw you in this or that and I'll give you a fighter, I'll give you some of this. And it's open trading. But everybody has asymmetric powers and everybody works in a different way. Uh, and it's just great. But it's a very different game. It's not for everybody. Um, but on the surface, it's not a game that I would like because I don't really do that negotiation and trading and everything else. And, and, and the reason I don't do negotiation and stuff is because... A lot of the time it involves backstabbing and betrayal and all sorts of stuff like that. It, that's not in this game, right? So I, I don't like like diplomacy or Game of Thrones or anything like that. But in this game, it isn't that. The negotiation is the trading and it's open trading. You're not screwing anybody over, except if you offer them a deal which is way better for you than it is for them. But that, that's on them. They don't have to accept the deal. So yeah, Sidera Confluence, I really enjoyed that game a lot more than I was expecting to. Uh, and I think that was down to the play group that we had. There are certain people I know that I probably wouldn't want to play this with because they'd be very shouty, they'd be very pushy. Uh, and, you know, that is one of the ways to play those games. And I suppose in some ways you have to be a bit like that to play the game well. But yeah, I'm not, not too keen on that myself. Anyway, Sidera Confluence, really enjoyed it. Want to play it again. That was the end of that games weekend. Now, on the following Thursday, I went to the new Chromebook gaming group and I took with me a couple of games uh, that I would have been happy to play. Basically, I go to this gaming group because it's not my group, it's Mark, a friend of mine, who used to come to the Clumpton group that I run. But my philosophy with this new group is I'm going for me. I don't want to go there every week and only play games that other people want to play. I need to start being a little bit more selfish in my life. <clears throat> Um, and, and only take the games that I'm interested in playing. So I took along a whole load of games, 
which I was interested in playing. And one of them was Wildlands. And Wildlands is the game that I actually wanted to play. And thankfully, I found three other players and we played it. Now, I've probably spoken about Wildlands before on the channel. And personally, I believe that the base game of Wildlands is broken and does not work and is fundamentally flawed. And if you're a fan of Wildlands and you enjoy playing it, great. But I think the base game is absolutely flawed. So why did I enjoy playing it? It's because we played with the new expansion set and we played the team version, which is two versus two. And the two, two versus two version uh, and, and the solo version, which is also included in Wildlands Ancients, fixes all of the problems with the game. So that is the first time I have played the team version of Wildlands and it was an absolute blast. It was brilliant because Wildlands has got some great mechanisms in there. And then in my opinion, ones that simply break the game and don't work. And the team version means you can play the game of Wildlands using all of the, the good mechanisms that work and the bits that don't work, which is basically kill stealing, uh, is gone out the window. So yeah, brilliant game, two versus two, me and Nick versus Paul and a lady who was relatively new to gaming, but she she picked it up and yeah, it was it was good, really, really good. And that's another game I now want to play more of because it was just so much fun. Now, the next thing that happened, we had about an hour left at the end of the night after Wildlands and Nick got out Las Vegas and was like, well, you've played Las Vegas, haven't you? And I was like, oh yeah, I've played Las Vegas because Las Vegas is a classic game, Rudy Dawn. Of course I've played it. At least I thought I'd played it. And he got it out and he started setting it up and I'm like, no, I don't think I've played this. And I think it's because... I've heard so much about it and I've seen so many people talking about it. I think recently as well, maybe there's been a new version recently, um, that I just thought, well, I must have played this game. And he got it out and he started explaining the rules and I was like, nope, not played this game at all. <laughs> I never played it. Um, we didn't play the full three rounds because we ran out of time. We did play two rounds or did we play three rounds? No, we did play three rounds. Maybe it's supposed to be four. Fantastic game. Now we did include a couple of the expansions, uh, a purple dice, I think that everybody had uh, and two other extra dice or something like that. Just little mini expansions that really shook it up. But yeah, that was my first game of Las Vegas and it's fantastic. And I should own a copy of Las Vegas. It's a brilliant game. Um, and it's suitable uh, for families in terms of the complexity of the game. It, it's a light game. It's not a filler game because it takes about 45 minutes, I think, to play, but it is a perfect uh, gateway game, light game, really, really good. So yeah, my first play of Las Vegas went really well. Then I went to Essen. So I'll talk, I'll talk, I might talk about Essen a little bit more later on, but if you're interested, on my channel around the time of Essen, I did a daily series of uh, video logs. So they are on the channel right now, if you are interested. Um, the first one tells all of the, the stories about all of the issues we had getting there, which were many. Um, but every night back in the hotel room, I did a live video log from Essen. But what did I play at Essen? Well, I only played one game because Essen for me is, it's a lot of work. Um, I do demoing and I was helping out uh, friends run the Detective Society booth. I covered the booth for about an hour and a half during the day, but I also did a couple of hours of demoing for CGE each day. So if you are one of those people who got a demo of Under Falling Skies from me in the morning, thank you very much. I loved it. Big version of Under Falling Skies, really, really good fun. And I love Under Falling Skies, so demoing the game was, was great. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of talking to people, there was a lot of meetings, there was a lot of stuff going on. So I didn't get much chance to sit down and actually play any games. 
The only one game that I actually did play in full was Altry from Studio H. Uh, we got a demo of the game. Uh, there was a guy who taught us the rules of the game and sat with us for the first half hour. Unfortunately, he got loads of rules wrong. Uh, and then when another guy came and took over, he was like, oh, well, you're doing that wrong, and you're doing that wrong, and you're doing that wrong. And we were like, yeah, that, that guy over there taught us how to play wrong. So in the end, we did play correctly. Altry is a game by Antoine Bowser, and there's another guy's name on the, on the box as well. I believe it's based on the role-playing game by the other guy, whose name I can't remember, apologies. Um, but it's a cooperative game, and I played it with the guys from uh, Ready Steady Play. So me uh, and the three people from Ready Steady Play, we sat down and we got this demo of tutorial. Now, demo of Altry. Now, the demo of Altry, I say it's a demo, we played through the first scenario, and the first scenario is a sort of tutorial scenario. Uh, and then I think there's five other scenarios in the box that are that are bigger. They are replayable. There is a bit of a story to them, uh, but they are definitely replayable because there is variability in the setup. I liked Altry. I've brought a copy home with me. I need to play it more to see if it has any legs because the tutorial that we played was obviously a demo. Certain things were set up and I kind of want to play it again to see how similar it would be the next time round. Because there's variability in some of the cards that you set up but the actual core story is the same every time. But, you know, I've talked about Arkham Horror card game, that's replayable, even though that's the same story each time. So I think Altry is probably gonna replayable. If you play the same scenario, the story is going to be the same, but the variability in what cards come out, that's gonna be different every time you play. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, I, we all enjoyed the play. We, both me and Mike from Ready Steady Play, we picked up a copy of the game and we brought it back with us. My only concern thinking back on the game is, did it feel like we didn't really have any choices in the game? Now, this is just a perception of mine which might be completely wrong. A card gets turned over and it says, oh, there's somebody in need, they need two of these particular things to go there and free them. Okay, right, so we now go here, get those two particular things, and then we'll go there and we'll free them. That's a cat who's just come in. You're looking for food, Loki? He might come up and say hello. Oh, here he is. Um, but that was my concern when we started playing it. But I don't know whether that is an actual concern or not. Oh, here we go. Yes, look, it's, it's monthly video log time. Yeah, you crawl over the microphone. That's it. Good point. Right. Wait, where are you going? Okay, where's... <laughs> are you just going to... You're just going to sit there, are you? Okay, there you go. You, you, you sit there. That's it. He's purring away. You can probably hear him purring. You're right. I'm telling them about Altry. Yeah, you like the box, don't you? Anyway, right. <laughs> yeah, you need your own YouTube channel, mate. There you go. Right. So yeah, Altry. Got it. Want to play it more. We'll be taking it to GridCon. And it's the only game I played in full. Now, before I talk about the other games that I partially played at Essen, I want to tell you about a thing which I learned last week. I made a post on a Facebook group that I'm a member of, and I said, do you log on BGG? For those people who log their games on BGG, do you log partial plays of games? And again, I got very varied responses. I got some people who said, no, if I don't finish a game, I don't log it on BGG at all. And there are other people that say, I always log it on BGG, even if I only play half a game, okay? And I can see the reasons for both. 
And then somebody, can't remember who it was, but thank you very much, said, um, you do realize that BGG has a little tick box to say you can mark the game as incomplete. And I'm like, wow, life-changing. So this is what I now do. Uh, every time I play a game, if I don't finish the game for whatever reason, I mark it on BGG and there is a tick box to say game was incomplete. You can also list, there's a little series of buttons where you can say how long you played the game for. But there you go, that feature exists on BGG if you want to use it. A lot of people don't know about it. I certainly didn't know about it. Um, but that, that is there. So what, what games did I not play all of at Essen? Well, the first one is Ark Nova. Ark Nova was one of the big, hot new games from Essen. Uh, it's from Fuhlenspieler, designed by Matthias Vige, if that's how you pronounce it. Probably not how you pronounce it. Uh, some people have compared it to Terraforming Mars. It's, it's about creating a zoo, okay? And we'll come on to the comparisons to Terraforming Mars in a minute. But I managed to get a copy of this game. Frank uh, from Fuhlenspieler got me, got me a copy of the game. Thank you very much, Frank because it was one of the games that I was very much looking forward to. Um, and one day, one evening, three of us sat in the bar area of the hotel that I was in, and we went, let's see what all this is about then. And we literally started playing whilst playing the game from the rulebook. And this is something that I actually really like to do, because this is a heavy game. I didn't want to sit there for two hours reading the entire rulebook then sit there for an hour teaching everybody how to play when all we wanted to do was just get a taste of the game and see what it was like. So literally, we started playing while we were learning the rulebook. And we only played it for about an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours. And we played enough of a game that if you played it now, knowing the rules, would probably only take you 20 minutes to play. But we were learning as we went. We played until the first break. And then we went, right, that's it. We'll put it away now and let's have a chat or play something else because that gave us enough of an idea to see what the game was about. So that get that that got logged on BGG. And I'll talk about Ark Nova more later on. We also did exactly the same with uh, Boone Lake. Now I didn't manage to get a copy of Boone Lake. I've been told that there is a copy on its way to me, but I don't have a copy at the moment. Uh, but Hilmar managed to get a copy of Boone Lake. So one of the evenings, again, sat in the hotel. We played Boone Lake, and again, we did exactly the same. None of us had read the rule book, none of us knew how to play, so we basically set the game up and we started playing it whilst, whilst reading from the rule book. We played half a game, which was pretty good. We played half a game of a two-player game, and then other people were there and we didn't want to you know, be rude and anything. And, and that gave me a good impression of Boone Lake. Now, I'll talk about Boone Lake now because I haven't played it since, and this is an impression based on half a game that we were learning from the rule book, absolutely loved it. I mean, it, I'm a huge fan of Alexander Pfister, and it kind of came as no surprise. This was one of the games that I was very, very much looking forward to. Unfortunately, Capstone Games ran out uh, of copies, so uh, I, I was on the list to get one, but only if there was any copies left at the end, so that's why I'm being sent one afterwards. Um, but yeah, I already had high hopes for this game, and the little bit that I did know about it, I thought, I'm probably going to like this. And then as we started playing it, I was like, this is classic Alexander Pfister, but felt different from his other games. So yeah, really, really good game. Trying to remember what it was that I enjoyed about it. Just everything. The, the flow of the game, uh, the way that it works, the way that the action selection mechanism works. I'm probably not being very clear. 
I'm just saying there's bits of the game that I really liked. But yeah, Boon Lake, other people have probably done videos on it. I will do one at some point, but I don't, I don't have the game at the moment. Um, there is another game that I played at Essenspiel. This was a prototype. This is uh, Anunnaki from Cranio Creations, uh, designed by Simone Luciani, probably some other people as well, but Simone was the one that taught us how to play. Now, this was originally called Avatar, and only a, few, a couple of weeks before Essen, it changed its name. So it's on Board Game Geek now, I think, as Anunnaki. Uh, and I'm down, I think it's going on Kickstarter in January, and I'm due, I've agreed with Cranio that they are going to send me a prototype of the game, and at some point in January, I'm going to be doing a live tutorial and playthrough video for the game. So, I, basically, I, I arranged a meeting with them, and I said, is there any chance that we can have a demo of the game for a couple of hours, just to give me an idea of what the game's about in preparation for going into it in January? Um, and yeah, really, really enjoyed it. It was not what I was expecting, because they had it set up on this table. It has a huge table presence, and I thought, oh wow, this is going to be super complicated. And actually, once Simone had gone through the core rules and we started playing, it was like, no, this isn't actually that complicated, but it's really interesting. The action selection system is fantastic. You basically have this player board covered in these tokens and you can move from one space to the next. Well, you can choose any of them, but if you move to an adjacent space, then you can put a marker on it. And if you surround an area with markers, you get a bonus. Yeah, the action selection system is really good. Um, but basically, thematically, it's kind of like, kind of like sci-fi, but with the Greeks and the Egyptians and everything else, and you're traveling from one planet to another and you're taking the resources away. And I kind of knew, we got the impression that when we started playing, that this is going to be like this big epic civilization game, and we're just going to, you know, we're going to learn how to play, and we're going to play it for a couple of hours, and we're probably only going to see, you know, a small fraction of the game. And after about an hour and a half, he looked at us and he went, yeah, you're probably about halfway through the game now. And bearing in mind, half an hour of that was learning. So this is one of those games that you look at and you think, oh, this is going to be a six hour game. And it's actually not. It's actually relatively, relatively quick. Um, so yeah, more, more on that later on. Obviously, what we played was a prototype. So any pictures that you see about the game right now, they are just a prototype. Lots of the artwork wasn't finished. The miniatures weren't finished. But yeah, very good initial impressions. Right, let's go back and talk about Arc Nova a bit more because I've actually got five logged plays of this now on Board Game Geek. The first game, the partial game, was at Essen, which I've logged. Then I took it to the Cranbrook uh, Gaming Club on the 21st, and I was absolutely desperate to play it again because I've spent the last, since getting back from Essen, I've been reading the rules again, looking at the cards, and I was really keen on playing again. Now, we didn't manage to finish the game. We got about 80% of the way through the game, maybe even 85, 90% of the way through the game, but then we have a limited time at the club uh, and yeah, doors closed and we got kicked out. But played enough of a game to go, right, yeah, this is, this is great. Then I played a solo game on the 23rd in front of the TV. Then I did a Patreon-only stream on the 26th where I played a, a solo game. So again, if you're a patron supporter of mine, you should have had an email on the 26th saying that I was doing a live solo playthrough. That's on the channel if you want to watch it. And then last night, which is on the channel now, I did a three-player playthrough of it. So, since getting back from Essen, I have come back with lots of hot games. And I'll talk about this more later on, but they haven't even been unboxed yet, apart from Ark Nova. And the reason for that is, is, is twofold. First, 
my life has been turned upside down in the last couple of weeks and I just haven't had any time. But secondly, I knew I was going to do any, I knew I was going to be doing a video on Ark Nova because I posted a poll to my patron supporters and said, these are the games I'm bringing back for messing with me. Which one do you want to see first? And I actually only brought four games back with me in my suitcase. The rest of them arrived yesterday because they went in the van with Dan and he delivered them to me yesterday. But out of those four games, which was Messina, 1347, Golem, Itoku and Ark Nova, patron supporters voted and Ark Nova was the one that was chosen as the one that they wanted to see on the channel first. So I was basically putting all of my efforts into that and I didn't want to distract myself by learning any other games. And I was really happy with how last night's playthrough went because I felt very comfortable. It wasn't even, it wasn't a sponsored video at all, but I'd put in a lot of work to prepare for it. Uh, and yeah, and I think last night went really well. And at the end of last night, I asked both Rob and Dan what they thought of the game. And then I said, thank you very much for watching. Goodbye. See you next time and all of that. I never actually said how much I enjoyed the game myself. I think, I think Art Nova is a fantastic game, but the comparisons, the comparisons to Terraforming Mars are right and are wrong. There are some elements of Terraforming Mars in Ark Nova, specifically the way the cards work. There's a huge deck of cards. They're all different. They're covered in icons. There's lots of special effects on them. In fact, there's more special effects as in text on the cards from uh, Ark Nova than there is from Terraforming Mars. Terraforming Mars, generally, it's, it's a combination of icons and a couple of lines of text. The ones in Ark Nova are quite, quite a bit more complicated. And that's where the comparison ends. It's just the cards. You're not even drafting the cards. You're not having to buy the cards or anything like that. You have to pay money to play them. But the way the cards work is similar to Terraforming Mars in that they've got icons on, tags. Some of them have requirements that certain things need to be met before you play them. There's a cost to play them. And some of them have ongoing effects and things like that. So yeah, there's a little bit of engine building in the game, but not as much as Terraforming Mars. But overall, I think it's a fantastic game. Does it replace Terraforming Mars? Absolutely not whatsoever. Now, if it does for you, that's fine, but it is quite a bit heavier than Terraforming Mars and therefore, in my opinion, is less accessible than Terraforming Mars. There is a lot of people who I can play Terraforming Mars with. Pretty much most of the people I know I could play Terraforming Mars with, but only about half of them I could play Ark Nova with because for some of them, no disrespect to them, Ark Nova is a little bit too heavy for them. So Terraformer Mars is more accessible. Ark Nova is also a longer game. Um, and I know there are some people out there who play Terraforming Mars and take four hours to play a two-player game. But last night we played for about three hours, or I think it was three and a half hours, but half an hour of that at least was the teach. So three-player Ark Nova for us was about three hours long might get it down to two and a half hours when we play really quick, once we really know it. Three-player Terraforming Mars, we could probably play it in less than two and a half hours. I'm not sure. There, are, there may be about the same. Again, there are some people who take hours to play Terraforming Mars, and then there are some people who play Terraforming Mars in a super quick time. So, yeah, we'll see. Anyway, Ark Nova, yeah, really, really enjoy the game. One of, I mean, say, one of the hot games from Essen. I was going to say one of my favourite games from Essen, I've only really played that. <laughs> the, the one game of Altry doesn't count. So yeah, you need to ask me in about six months time when I've played Boon Lake, Bitoku, Messina, Golem, and all of the other new games from Essen, and then I'll let you know where it stands. Anyway, moving on, what else did I play? On the 20th of October, Arkham Horror the Card Game, Chapter 5. And at this point, 
I'm going to go back and I am going to um, refer to something that I said earlier on in this video log, that one of the things with the Arkham Horror Card game is that when you've played a scenario, you always move on to the next scenario, no matter what the outcome. You've played chapter five, chapter five ends in one of four or five different ways, and then you go on to chapter six. Well, try not to give any spoilers away, but that doesn't happen in the one that we're playing at the moment. Uh, and next week, we will be playing chapter five again. So, yeah, things didn't go too well. The problem that we had is that this is the Forgotten Age campaign that we're playing. Chapter four, to say that it went badly, is the biggest understatement of the year. Chapter four for us went horrendously wrong, which is interesting because chapter three went super, super well. <laughs> we couldn't have got a better outcome from chapter three, but chapter four went terribly. Um, if you're interested in watching four people have the worst game ever, I mean, we enjoyed the game, don't get me wrong, but it was just a disaster from start to finish, um, was our chapter four of Forgotten Age, which was like just before Essen. Um, and that, what that meant is the outcome of chapter four meant we were severely penalized going into chapter five, so much so that we didn't actually accomplish the goal of chapter five and we have to redo it. So yeah, that will be coming to the channel next week. Still a fantastic game, still loving it. Can't wait to play more. It does mean we are probably not, well, we are definitely not going to get it finished before GridCon. The idea was that we would finish the Forgotten Age campaign before GridCon, which is at the end of this month. Not going to happen. So we'll try and finish it before, the, before Christmas. Right, next, Euthea. So the week after I got back from Essen, I had planned to do a couple of videos for Euthea because Euthea, Torment of Resurrection, big box game that is being delivered to backers now. I know a lot of people who've had it delivered this week. Uh, they are going back to Kickstarter um, with another campaign to fund another print run of it and possibly some extra bits. And they wanted me to create a couple of playthrough videos. Now I'd already covered the game before on the channel where I'd played the game using uh, Tabletopia, but that wasn't with the final version of the game. A number of the rules of the game had changed since then. So this was a playthrough or playthrough videos with the final version of the game. And they wanted me to create them ready for the upcoming Kickstarter. Now, I'd agreed this a long time ago and I thought, yeah, the week after I get back from Essen will be fine because I'll get back from Essen, I'll book two days off work to recover, and then I'll spend two full days practicing Euthea, learning it, practicing playing it, and then actually filming the videos. And, and that was the plan. Now, I then got told that they were actually going to be launching the new Kickstarter in January. So there was absolutely no... Oh, if you can hear rain in the background, it's just started raining. Um, so there was absolutely no rush for me to create this video at all. However, I'd got it in the calendar and I didn't want to delay it anymore because then I would have had to fit it in sometime in November and December. And my November and December are already looking way too busy. I think that's going to be another cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's raining, I know. Yeah. Oh, bless him. He doesn't like the rain. I mean, he's a normal cat. So he comes in and he squeaks at me as if I can do anything about it. No, I can't do anything about it. Yeah. So yeah, so Euthea, Torment of Resurrection. I spent all day Thursday learning how to play the game. And then Paul came over in the afternoon and we spent all afternoon playing a game. Now we didn't get it finished, but 
we played enough of the game and by the end of that game I was like right I've literally spent all day relearning this game because Euthia is a heavy game in multiple meanings of the word I mean physically it's a huge box but also it is quite a complex game the core rules are relatively simple but then you have all of these well how does that bit work and what if you've got that and then you've got this equipment with a special ability are you going to just walk around and squeak at me all the time Yes, I think he is. Um, so yeah, so thank you very much to Paul for coming around on Thursday afternoon. And by the end of Thursday, I felt, yeah, I, I pretty much know this game now. Then on the Thursday night, that's when I went out to the local club and played Ark Nova. And then on the Friday, I recorded both videos. So what I did is I actually spent the morning learning how to play the solo mode, which I, I live streamed as a behind the scenes video for patron supporters. Then in the afternoon, I re recorded me doing a solo playthrough. And then in the evening, Rick came over and we did a two-player game. Now, those videos are saved onto my hard drive. They haven't been edited and they're not up on the channel yet. If you are a patron supporter, you would have been sent a link so you could have been watching along live. But if you haven't watched them yet, I would actually recommend leaving it for now because those videos are going to be edited at some point over the next few weeks um, where I will just add on a few bits of text on screen for a couple of things that I was getting wrong in the video. Um, but the idea was that I was actually doing them live, but to a private link. So the advantage of that is patron supporters can watch uh, and they can see what's going on. But also one of the designers of the game was in the chat. So whenever I was doing something, if I got a rule wrong, I'd look across and he'd post a message in the chat and I'd be like, all right. And then what I could do is I could actually self-correct it. So it means that there's, there's a, a better chance of the playthrough video being accurate. Because if I'd have recorded it locally, then they would have had to then watch through the entire video. They would have had to tell me where I went wrong. And I would have potentially played the entire game with a rule wrong, which I don't like the idea of. By, by doing it as a sort of pseudo live stream with the designer watching, the designer can send me messages and say, no, Paul, that rule's wrong. And I literally self-correct it while we're doing the video. Um, so anyway, Euthea, Torment of Resurrection, there's a solo playthrough video and there's a two-player playthrough video. They, once they are edited, they will be going on the channel, but the publisher might want me to wait until they are released in January. So my plan is get the videos edited as soon as I can so that the job is done. Uh, I might release them for patron supporters for early access, but then they will go live on the channel when the publisher wants them to go live. Uh, yeah, Euthea is a massive big, sprawling, fantasy, cooperative game. As I say, it takes quite a long time to play. Uh, it's quite heavy. Got some similarities to Mage Knight in a way, but in other ways, quite different. What else? Weather Machine. This is the last game that I'm going to talk about today. Um, and did a playthrough video for Weather Machine on the 24th of October, which is live on the channel now. So if you want to learn and see a game of Weather Machine being played out. Nick and Gemma came over uh, last Sunday, in fact, so six days ago today, feels like longer, <laughs> uh, and we played Weather Machine. Now, that was a sponsored video by Eagle Griffin Games, so I'm afraid you're not going to get my opinions on the game, other than it's a Vital Lacerda game. It's the next in the Vital Lacerda series of games. So if you are a Vital Lacerda fan and you like his other games, you are very likely to like this one as well. Artwork by Ian O'Toole, Rulebook by some guy called Paul Grogan. Production by Eagle Griffin Games. The same team. The same team that has done most of his previous big box games with Eagle Griffin. 
has got together for this one. So that's Weather Machine. It's going on Kickstarter on the 11th of November, and I'm running a contest to win a copy of it, which I'll talk about in a minute. Right, that is everything. That is all of the games that I've been playing in October. That takes you right up to today. So unless I manage to get any games in today or tomorrow, chances are slim, um, then that's, that's my October done. Right, moving on. Other content on the channel. Other things that I did in October. Uh, Gloomhaven Digital has finally left early access after, what, two years or something like that? They've been working super hard on it. I've got to know a couple of the team behind the scenes work, working on the game, uh, and it's a fantastic game. Absolutely love it. I think they've done a brilliant job with it, and, they've, and I've been playing Guildmaster mode for quite a while, which I think is a fantastic way to play the game. They have now come out of early access. It's gone live. Uh, it's on Steam. And it's got the full campaign built in there. It's brilliant. They've done a really, really good job with it. Uh, and I did a video of me and John uh, playing, um, what's it called? Black Barrow, scenario one. And it was just, it was just brilliant. Because um, yeah, Black Barrow, the first scenario of Gloomhaven, you know, I remember playing it when, it when it first came out. I remember running demos of Gloomhaven with a prototype that Isaac had sent me six months before the game came out. I was at UK conventions running demos of Black Barrow. So I've played that scenario a lot of times. Uh, and yeah, this was before Gloomhaven exploded and became as big as it did. I also did a video for Concordia Digital, which has just been released as well. So that's on the channel if you want to check out Concordia Digital. Other things, I did a pre-Essen show. So if you, <laughs> Essen's been and gone now, but if you're interested in a live show where me, Luke Hector and Mike Dennis talk about all of the games that we're looking forward to from Essen. That was a really fun show. That was, that was, it's on the channel now, but we did it live on the Saturday before Essen where we went through, yeah, loads and loads of games and talked about them. It'll be interesting to look back at that list to see which ones of them we picked up and which ones we didn't. Um, I did an unboxing video of the new set for Arkham Horror, the revised core set for the Arkham Horror card game, uh, which was really interesting because as a, I'm a big fan of the Arkham Horror card game. There's a new revised uh, core set, which basically takes up to four players. But apparently, talking to fans of the game, a lot of fans were very disappointed and angry that they didn't introduce the errata for the game into the new version. And I was like, well, that's terrible. You know, if you've got errata for the cards and you've just printed a new version, why have you not incorporated that errata into the actual core set? However, during the unboxing video, I was like, wait a minute, does the core set actually have any errata? Now, the key term here is errata because Arkham Horror the Card Game, what they have done is they have released what's called a taboo list. So it's not official errata, okay? It is, if you want to, you can modify your cards because we feel that they're a little bit imbalanced. Now, as far as I'm concerned, that is errata, but technically it's not. They haven't said you must make these changes to the cards. They have said, if you want to play with the taboo list, here's our recommendations. Now, we play with the taboo list because if you don't play with the taboo list, some of the cards are just overpowered and too good. And you can get some broken combos that allow players to just do insanely powerful things. And that's just not, that, that for me doesn't make the game fun. Sure, it makes the game easier, but having one player use a broken combo to do crazy stuff, that's, no, I don't, I don't want that in games, really. So we play with the taboo list and they haven't incorporated the taboo list into the cards because it's optional. So there wasn't really any errata for, for the core set. 
Anyway, did an unboxing of the new revised set for Arkham Horror. If you are looking to get into the Arkham Horror card game, then buying one new revised core set is the way to go because you've got enough stuff for four players without you having to buy two box sets, which is what you had to do before. I also, last week, did an interview with Brian Muller for the World Series of Board Gaming. This is a board gaming tournament. It's not a convention, it's a tournament, which is happening next year in Las Vegas. And I am giving away two ring event tickets. Yeah, so two one ring event tickets to the event. Now, this is, they're valued at $250. This is a big tournament with a big entry price, serious tournament, but you can win $25,000. So to gain, gain entry to one of the ring events costs $250. And basically I have two tickets to give away. Um, if you are a patron supporter of mine, these tickets, uh, these tickets are only available to patron supporters. Um, you would have been sent a link no, in fact, yeah, you've been sent a link last week. And if you go and check out the video, which went live on Wednesday on my channel, that tells you how to enter. The contest closes on, let me just check, the 3rd of November. So if you're watching this video right now, after the 3rd of November, and you're a patron supporter, and you haven't entered, I'm sorry, you're too late. Because at six o'clock GMT, on the 3rd of November, I'm going to be doing the draw. So if you are interested in winning those, you have to make your way to Las Vegas. It's September, end of September next year. Uh, and obviously you have to pay for the hotel and everything else, but you can win a ticket to enter the, uh, the actual tournament itself, which as I say, is valued at $250. So huge thank you to Brian and the WSBC for, um, WSBC, WSBG, uh, for giving me two tickets to give away to people. And there would have been more unboxing videos in the last couple of weeks. But that didn't happen and let's get on to that now. Right, Patreon update. So this is a little bit strange because I'm recording this video at the very end of October. Now, I've been trying, <laughs> trying to get these videos recorded around the middle of the month. I don't actually know when the best time is for me to record these videos. I'm starting to think that the best time for recording these videos is pretty much about one week into the new month because I can then talk about everything that I've played in the previous month and all of the Patreon support for the previous month. But I've got out of sync because unfortunately with the way that work's been going for the last few months, I've been having to move things around and the, the vlog because it takes, as I say, these video vlogs take me almost an entire day to create. Um, it, it has to get shuffled around somehow. So what I'm gonna be talking about here is I'm gonna be talking about the change, the Patreon update for September. And it's really weird talking about this because October has been a fantastic month for the Patreon, okay? In fact, September wasn't a good month at all, but October was a fantastic month. So I just wanted to say a big thank you to everybody who has started supporting me on Patreon in the last couple of months, but also a big thank you to everybody who has stayed with me as a Patreon supporter. Um, I don't just wanna, you know, I'm not like a bank where I give you special deals if you're a new customer and forget about the existing ones. Huge thank you to everybody who has stayed with me, but also thank you to everybody who has joined the Patreon recently. However, what I'm gonna be doing now is I'm gonna be putting up on screen a list of all of the new Patreon supporters for September. So if you are somebody who has been supporting me, who has started supporting me in the last few weeks, and you think, well, my name's not on the list, your name is not on the list, your name will appear on the next monthly video log because the way that I get the report from Patreon is that I run the report at the end of the month and we're not quite at the end of the month yet. 
Okay, so yeah, what's on screen is all of the new supporters for September. Thank you very much to everybody for your support. But October, wow, October has been a fantastic month for the Patreon. And I'll talk about this more in detail when I do the next video log, but I'm also going to refer back to it in something that I'm going to say later on. So, each month I do a giveaway. The last giveaway that I was doing was for two copies of Origins First Builders, which uh, Board and Dice kindly donated to me. I did the draw. This was in the video log that, this was the September video log that never actually went live to the public. Um, but it was Brendan Irvin and Hayden Dobby who won. So thank you very much for your support and congratulations on winning. I have passed your details onto the publisher. So hopefully you'll be getting a copy of Origins First Builders soon. This month's giveaway is for a copy of Weather Machine. Now I say this month's giveaway, um, this month ends tomorrow. So basically, this is a, a com uh, it's not a contest, it, it's, it's a giveaway. And one of my patron supporters at producer level or higher, who is supporting me at the end of this month, so in other words, by tomorrow, will win a copy of Weather Machine. Now the Kickstarter for Weather Machine goes live on the 11th of November. So whoever wins this, will know before the Kickstarter goes live. And that for me is a much better way of doing things because in the past I've run ones for Kickstarters that have been going live and you know supporters of mine have been like, well, Paul, I, I, I'm, I'm entering the contest, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm eligible to win from the giveaway, but also I want to back it. So they end up backing it and then canceling it and everything else. And it's all a bit weird. So this time we're bringing it all ahead of time. Uh, and it is a giveaway and you don't need to do anything. If you are a patron supporter of mine at producer level or higher at the end of this month, you automatically get entered into the hat. I run a report, I filter it, I do some clever formulas, and then I pick a name out of the hat virtually. I actually use the random between formula to work out who's won. I'll be doing the draw probably on the 3rd of November. I'll do it. I'll pretty much do it at the same time as I do the draw for the WSBG. So yeah, good luck everybody. You can win a copy of Weather Machine and thank you very much to Eagle Griffin Games for kindly donating that and helping support uh, support the Patreon. Right, future plans. Right, I've got so many plans, <laughs> I don't know where to start. I have, I have a ton of new games that I brought back from Essen. I've got Golem, I've got Bitoku, I've got Messina 1347, I've got Great Western Trail 2nd Edition, I've got Watch, I've got Altree, I've got Suspects, I've got the medieval one from Arcane Wonders that I can't remember what it's called. Uh, I've got loads. I, I've got I've got loads of new games for Messen. And what I would have liked to have done is two or three unboxings a week since getting back for Messen. Unfortunately, the last couple of weeks, as I hinted at earlier on, eh, yeah, things haven't gone quite right. So um, my plan is to basically do some unboxings over the next couple of weeks. If I manage to turn the work situation round, uh, which I've got to basically, um, then I'll be, do, I'll be doing some unboxings. I'm not going to announce them now because I don't know what I'm going to do. Although, to be honest, I'm probably going to do Bitoku first. I'm going to do Golem. I'm going to do Messina 1347 because they're the three big hot games. So I'll, I'll probably do those next and then I'll do some of the other ones later on. But since then, I've had two new Freedman Freeze games arrive. I've had Corrosion arrive. So I've had other new games as well. I don't know. I'll probably, I'll probably put a poll on the Patreon, uh, on the Slack channel, to say, what order do you want me to do these <laughs> do these unboxings in? Um, but I'd like to do them all. I've just got about 12 to do, which is quite a lot. Next week, 
So I'm recording this on Saturday the 30th of October. So next week, on Wednesday, Arkham Horror Card Game, chapter five of The Forgotten Age. I was going to say chapter six. It's not, it was, it's down in my diary as chapter six. It's not chapter six, it's chapter five. And then on Friday of next week, so that's six days from now, I will be doing a live tutorial and playthrough of Zhang Nan. Now, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it or not, but there's a picture on screen now. This is the new game from Mo Ideas. It's going on Kickstarter on Tuesday of next week, and I'm going to be doing a live tutorial and playthrough on Friday. They've sent me a prototype of the game. I haven't even looked at the rules yet, but that's one of my plans for next week is to, I've got to learn how to play this game, and I'm planning on taking it to the local club on Thursday so that I can play it, practice teaching it and everything else. And then on the Friday night, people will be coming round and I'll be doing a video. So that's next week's videos. Some unboxings, Arkham Horror on the Wednesday, Zhang Nan on the Friday. The week after, uh, I will be doing a solo game, uh, which will be voted on by my Patreon supporters. I need to get that up soon to see what you want me to do a solo game of, because then I've got to learn it um, and practice it and everything else. Then on the Wednesday, I'll be doing something. What am I doing on the Wednesday? Oh, it's another Arkham Horror session. It's supposed to be another Arkham Horror session. So we're doing two back-to-back -back Arkham Horror sessions. Um, and then on the Friday, I will be doing a live tutorial and playthrough of Corrosion, the new game from Deep Print Games that I think Capstone Games are publishing in America and definitely looks like my kind of game. So yeah, that arrived. I need to get that. I need to learn that. And I need to practice that because that, that will be um, two weeks time. And then the week after that, end of November, will be GridCon. Cross fingers, unless something goes wrong with COVID in the UK any more than it is already. GridCon is my own convention. We're very hopeful it can go ahead. Uh, capacity has been reduced. We are now looking at about 170 people attending out of a possible 230. So numbers are gonna be down. We are making a financial loss on the event, which is okay, we've accepted that. It's not a big problem. Uh, we just want the event to go ahead and for it to be safe. So basically, as lots of people have been cancelling for various reasons, we've only been reselling a few tickets, which is why which is why now we're making a loss on the event. But it also, that's why there's going to be a lot less people there than there can be there, which is going to make us more comfortable because we can spread the tables out a bit more. We just want to have a safe event. Right, moving on, personal news. Now, regular viewers of mine will know that in every video log, for the last three or four months, I have kind of said that things aren't going well. And I feel that I'm sounding a bit like a broken record. I have a copy of all of my video logs that I, I kind of write a rough idea of what I want to say in each of them. And looking back through the, for the last four, four months, it's always been, oh, things aren't going well for me, so bear with me. And, I, and I'm getting a bit sick of that, to be honest, <laughs> because if there's something not quite right and something's going wrong, it's down to me to, to sort that out. Now, I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to self-care and trying to sort things out. And I'm constantly just trying to push through and get through it. And what that's doing is it's actually causing more damage. I'm never really taking a step back and, you know, trying to, trying to take a bit of a break. Essen was massively stressful. The huge amount of stress and anxiety in the weeks leading up to Essen this is the reason why I wasn't going to go. And to be honest, even the weekend before I went to Essen, I was thinking of cancelling. And then on the Monday, when we had all of the travel issues, I almost said to Dan, 
I'm going to get a train back home. I, I can't do this anymore. This is, just, this is just too much for me. Because I'd been ill in September and I'd lost two weeks of time on work. So going to Essen when I'm already behind on work was going to cause me a massive problem. And I knew that. Now, I'm glad that I went to Essen in the end because it was really great and I'm very happy that I went and I'm very happy that I saw people. But then when I got back, everything just exploded. And a lot of my work-related projects ended up being in a very problematic state. Now, I can't talk about this too much because this is the professional side of my work uh, and there'll be some of my clients possibly watching this video. And I don't want it to come across as I'm complaining because a lot of these issues were down to me. But I've been taking a good long, hard look at what I do. Uh, and when I say what I do, I don't just mean this channel, I mean what I do both with this channel, both with my professional work and my personal and private life as well. And it's not good, and it's not going well, and I'm constantly saying things aren't going well, and I'm constantly having to push back the vlog or I'm having to delay something. I, for the last four or five months, I feel constantly overwhelmed, under pressure, can't keep up and just get, I, and I spend most weekends preparing things, doing thumbnails, planning the week and everything else, right? It, it, it's not good. And a lot of things have been causing me a huge amount of stress over the last three or four months. So I made a decision a couple of weeks ago, and this is a decision which has actually been rumbling in the back of my mind for a couple of months but it was one of those things that rumbled around in the back of my mind that I went, no, 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 no. That's just, that's just a voice telling you this. You're not really serious. This is a crazy idea. Don't even think about it. You're only thinking it because things are bad at the moment and you're thinking it. However, as time has gone on over the last couple of months, I actually started thinking about something more and more and more. And as of last week, I think it was, yeah, I think it was last week, I've made the decision, and that is that I am effectively retiring from being a professional rulebook writer. Now, Loki's come in and stole my thunder by meowing and squeaking all over me. Yes, come here, you. I'm giving everybody the important news. You're not interested, are you? You just want food. You just want food. So, yeah, that's, that's fairly big news. Um, and as I say, when, when it first popped into my head and said, Oh, why don't you give this up, Paul? This is too much stress. It was like, well, hang on a minute. You've, you've worked hard at this for the last eight, nine years. You've established yourself in the industry as being a really good rulebook writer and editor. Why would you stop that? You know? And I, I, I could talk to you for an hour about the reasons why I'm stopping it. And I'm, and I'm not going to do that. And it isn't just the fact that, oh, it's work, I don't want to do work, you know, because everybody has to go to work to earn money. Everybody has to do that. But the rule book work for me has ended up becoming a big source of uh, stress, anxiety, and causing me a lot of problems in my personal and private life and everything else. Working a lot of evenings, working a lot of weekends, and that's been going on for years right? It, it is, this has been going on for a very, very, very long time. And whilst I might be good at it, I need to step away from it, okay? So at the end of my current rulebook projects, I am no longer taking on any more rulebook editing projects, with the exception 
of Vittel Lacerda's next game, which I have already agreed to do. Uh, and that's, as far as, I, and I've spoken to Eagle Griffin and I've spoken to Vittel, and I've said, if I only do one rule book a year, it will be yours. And, and that's my plan going forward. Now, I still feel that I have a lot of skills to offer in the rulebook writing world. So my plan is, and I've actually been doing this a little bit already in the last 12 months, in addition to the rulebook writing, is I will be offering rulebook consultancy services. So if a publisher has a rulebook that they want to give to me, uh, that I can basically spend a day reading through it or two days reading through it, and I can provide them consultancy on it about the problems that I see with it and the way to go forward, then that's what I want to be doing. What does this mean for you as a viewer of my channel? Absolutely nothing. It, it doesn't mean anything at all. Um, you know, I'm, I, I, this is, I'm assuming those people who are watching this video now, who do enjoy watching my other videos, aren't watching them because I write and edit rule books. So the fact that I'm giving up the rule book writing work does not affect my videos on the channel. I'm not, I'm not quitting the channel. In fact, there will be more. There will be more content for the channel because, you know, I said I've, I've sat down and I've taken a good hard look at what I do and I have worked out what I, all of the parts of my daily life, which bits are enjoyable and which bits just cause me stress. And I am cutting out the stuff that causes me stress. And if you want to know what, what I enjoy doing, it's the playthrough videos. It's the live playthrough videos. It's the fun random unboxings. It's the random videos of Paul learns how to play a game from the rulebook and live streams it. It's all of that stuff. I absolutely love that stuff. And that's what I need to do moving forward. I need to change my focus and leave the, the rulebook work aside and concentrate on the playthroughs and the channels. Uh, now, what that does mean is my professional income is going to drop quite drastically because I'm not going to be doing the work and that is paid work. So my, my income is going to drop. But the Patreon support that I get right now is enough for me to continue doing the channel and continue doing it more than I'm, a, more than I'm currently doing at the moment. So I, I said earlier on a big thank you to all of my Patreon supporters. And you don't know how much I mean that, right? Because with me stepping away from rulebook work, there's going to be a severe drop in my monthly income. And that's fine. And the only reason that I can sit here and say it's fine is because of the support of the Patreon campaign. And I don't want any of you to feel, oh, I now need to give Paul more money. You don't need to give me any more money whatsoever. The Patreon support right now is at a level where I am very happy with it. Of course, if you want to, that's fine. I'm not going to complain. But this is not me saying, oh, I'm going to be really struggling, right? This is me saying, I'm going to be fine. Everything is going to be great. And 2022 is going to be a year where I have more of a smile on my face. I get more sleep. I stop working weekends and I basically have a better life. That's the plan for next year. Now, I still need to wrap up all of my existing rulebook projects and hopefully none of them will drag on into next year. Uh, I also have a lot of how to play videos planned, but there you go. Thank you for bearing with us. It's pretty big news. So I did spend quite a bit of time talking about it. Um, and as I say, I, I've, I've thought about it long and hard and I've already spoken to some of my clients about it and told them that's what I'm planning to do. But as I say, the enjoyable part of what I do is creating videos for the channel, creating playthrough videos. And it really bothers me 
that I've come back from Essen with 15 new games and I've covered one of them on the channel. And that's it. And the rest of them are still sat there. And I haven't even unboxed them. And that makes me... Sad is the wrong... No, sad is probably the right word. Because I'm a gamer, right? I'm a gamer through and through. I'm excited by these games. I want to cover these games. And I can't cover these games because I did a 17-hour day on Monday, followed by a 14-hour day on Tuesday, followed by a 12-hour day on Wednesday. I haven't even had time to eat or sleep, really, this week. And that's what I do. I don't want that anymore. That, that amount of the, the, the stress and the having to work all of that time is just, I, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm tired of it. I've, I've done it for seven or eight years, you know, and yeah, my, my time is done. So yeah, for the channel, the channel is going to continue and there's likely to be even more videos. In fact, there's going to be more videos than you've seen in the last couple of months anyway, because as I say, the work, the work stuff has got in the way. Anyway, I'm rambling on. I had to get that off my chest. This is the first time I've spoken about it publicly, so thank you very much for listening. And that, I think, is everything. We've covered all of the games that I've played. I've done the Patreon update. We've done the plans for what's coming to the channel. And we've given you the personal news. So yeah, that is everything. Um, so yeah, big thank you again to all of my Patreon supporters for making these videos possible. Uh, and as I say, move, moving on to next year, that support is, is going to be what keeps me going uh, through it. But I'll wrap things up now. I need to decide when I'm going to do the November video log. <sighs> When's it going to be? Do I do it before GridCon? I think I might do. I tell you what, the next monthly video log, the problem is if I do the next monthly video log in like a week's time, there'll only be two games. It'll be like the shortest video log ever. But I need to try and bring things back. So I think what I might do is I might do the November video log, which will be called the, yeah, That'll be called the November video log, maybe the second week of November. And then if I do the December video log, maybe at the start of December, maybe then I'll get back in sequence. I don't know. I'll talk about it on the Slack channel and decide what I'm doing. Anyway, we are all done. Thank you very much to everybody for watching, bearing with me, with all of my rambling. I will see you in a future playthrough video. Take care. I'll see you next time. Proudly sponsored by Game Toppers, upgrading your gaming experience. Visit GameToppersLLC.com.